I want to start off with a modern day psalm. Okay, it's not a it's not a scriptural psalm. It wasn't written by any one of the of the writers of the psalms, but it is I think a modern day psalm. I've done this before, and I like to read it to you because I think it really is. It'll it'll help us bridge in today's thing. So let's see if you recognize this psalm. Okay. Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, we're living on a prayer. Take my hand and we'll make it. I swear. Whoa, living on a prayer. You know, Bon Jovi didn't know he was writing a psalm, but he he actually did write a psalm. And I don't know what woe means in the Greek, but I'm certain that it's probably pretty something fantastic. But if you're living 2,000 years ago and you're in the place that the, that the newly formed church is starting to be birthed, if you're living 2,000 years ago and you're living in a very trying time, living on a prayer takes on a very special connotation. See, prayer to them was essential. But if you are a disciple living 2,000 years ago and Jesus has asked you to do something incredible, he's given you this huge mission to do, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now you have to understand, this is, he's asking of people who are pretty much hated by everybody in the world. Who pretty much despise everybody else in the world. He's asking a group of people to go into all the world and talk to people about Jesus. This is a big undertaking that he's asking this group of individuals. It's a huge moment in, in their lives. So prayer is essential to these folk. It's essential to these folk also because they're Jewish. And to the Jewish mindset, prayer is huge. It still is to this day. Prayer is big to the Jewish mindset. Prayer, as one of the rabbis, ancient rabbis said, prayer is like breath. It's essential as breath. So these group of people, these 120 people who are meeting in this room who are just going through immense stuff. They are contemplating and reflecting on Jesus' death on his resurrection and his accession into, into, into heaven. This is, this is heady stuff. This is stuff that has got to be blowing in their mind still. It's still fresh in their mind. Then Christ, just before he leaves, he gives them this huge business, and then he tells them to go wait. And remember, we talked about wait being this word that means it's like a hook, something that connects us to each other and to, to, into what God has given us to do. So this is, this is heavy stuff. And then, they, so they devoted themselves to prayer, the, the scripture says, in verse 14 of Acts 1. And it's huge. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go on in the series yet. Because I, 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 I get the feeling that God is asking us to wait. See, for weeks, I've been, I told my wife, I've been having this, uh, this restlessness feeling in me. And it wasn't really bad, it wasn't really kind of negative, but I just felt restless in my spirit. And I, I'm just beginning to, to, to understand, I think, where God is messing with me because. And it's this word of devotion. It's this word devotion. See, the English definition of, of the word devotion is, it's, it's okay. It, it, to be devoted is to have a love and loyalty to someone or something or a cause. 
That's a pretty good definition. But it's not good enough for me. So we need to step back a little bit and see what the word devotion really means and how the, I think the Bible describes what devotion is. This word that they're talking about when it says they were in one accord, never one mind and one passion, devoting themselves. That word means this. It means to be set apart continuously. To be set apart continuously. It also means to keep on, to do something with intense effort, to give yourself to this, to adhere to, just like wait. You know, wait, the part of, of waiting was to adhere ourselves to something. This has the same connotation to it, and to be ready. To be ready. Wow. That, that changes, to me, that starts to change and mold this, this word devotion to me. It just starts to... Uh, really challenged me in my spirit. So you're probably wondering why I'm holding on to a baseball. Well, I love baseball. Every spring I get at least one new baseball, just so I can smell it. Love the smell of a new baseball, and a new baseball glove combined with a new baseball. Wow, that's awesome stuff. But I love this game. I loved it so much in high school... It is what I wanted to be when I was in high school. I was determined to be a major league baseball player. I was so determined. I thought about it 24-7, almost 24-7, 365, any kind of definition you want to put there. I was thinking about baseball. I studied players that were better than me so I could, so I could get better. And there were a lot of players better than me. But because I was so focused and so... My effort was so concentrated and so intense, and I was committed to this thing. I often played better than guys who were better talented than me because I played harder. I played smarter. I, I just gave everything. I didn't know that old phrase, not leaving anything on the field. I didn't leave anything. I gave it all. I was really committed. And people could tell I was committed to this. They knew my dream. I talked about my dream. I talked about what I wanted to do. I told them, what do you want to do in life? I want to be a baseball player. I want to play for the New York Mets. That was my dream. That was my dream. Fast forward many years. I still love this game. This game still excites me. But I no longer can spend the time or the effort into this game. It is pretty obvious that at age 59, I really can't play this game anymore. I sure love this game. My, my life is fuller and richer and has many other things that, I'm, that my attention must go to. But you might even start to question my devotion to the game that I say I love so much by my lack of inactivity towards it. Do you really, are you really devoted to this game anymore? You pay hardly any attention to it. It's really kind of distant. And all you do once in a while is pick up a new baseball and smell it. Are you really devoted to this game? You could question my devotion to this game by my lack of activity, by my lack of interest. Because devotion is noticeable. It's a powerful picture of where our heart is, where our loyalty lies, and where our faith points to. So our early brothers and sisters, they are... Meeting together. And they had this Jewish mindset towards prayer. 
And there, in the Hebrew, there are many words for prayer. Many words. But in this, in this mindset of prayer, there's ones that they usually fall into. A little history. In order for, a, see, prayer, Jewish people usually, traditionally like to prayer public prayers and in group prayers. It was a group thing. It was a community thing to do prayers. But in order for that prayer meeting to really count, they needed at least 10 adult males. And in order for it to, to have a council or what a synagogue is, they needed 120 adult males together. Now, in this group, they do have 120 people. But the beauty thing of this, what God is doing in the new church is that there's women there, too. It's so beautiful. It's not just about the men anymore. But it's still about community. Oh, I love this. I love this, what is this what's in there. Okay, so we got this kind of thing going on. Because, see, the Jewish believers, prayer was more than a meeting. It was life itself. So that phrase, to pray, what that means in the Hebrew means to, to judge. To judge. And it's talking about an introspection of our hearts. So often when they were gathered together to pray, they would use this psalm. In Psalm 139.23, they would say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So when they were getting ready to pray, they would pray these scriptures. They would pray these psalms in order to start to open up their minds and their spirits to what God was, was going to do in their midst. But there's another word. It's the uh, Hebrew word tefillah. Tefillah. And it's often translated in the Bible as prayer, but it means this. And i got to read this because this is beautiful. Listen to this. It's a labor of awakening the hidden love within the heart until a state of intimate union with the divine is achieved. I'll read it again. It's a labor of awakening the hidden love within the heart until a state of intimate union with the divine is achieved. So here's this group of people, this group of Jewish believers. They're meeting and they have their minds. They're gathering to pray. They're devoting themselves to pray, to, to judge themselves, to have this introspection going on, and to have that introspection reveal hidden love for God. To reveal it. So that they can express it. And so that they can have this union with God. It's beautiful stuff that's going on here. Okay? So this is, a, this is a devoted communion. It's a deep connection. Adhering to the relationship. They're sticking with it. These two words, these two attitudes of prayer, are combining into something that they call this. This is the Jewish mindset. This is, this is what, what it is. It's called kavanah. Kavanah. And it describes the concentration or intent direction towards God while praying. And it's known as the service of the heart. Service of the heart. Prayer is service of the heart to the Jewish mindset. It, is, it, it combines worship and this deep expression of undiscovered love. And that can only be discovered when the Holy Spirit comes and exposes it to us and to the world. See, that's why the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, is what they're waiting for. God is already working in them in this prayer, being devoted to prayer. Because devoted to prayer to them right now, their life is in danger still. They're in a dangerous moment in life. But they, from their Jewish tradition, realize that, that 
we're, we're supposed to wait, but what else could we do but pray? What else could we do? See, Jesus gives them this mission. He tells them to go wait. And they obey. They don't go rushing out to save the world. They don't go to try to attempt to do this mission. They don't start a ministry. They wait. But wait with purpose on the Father in prayer. In prayer. So the service of heart, they would use this, this psalm. Okay, Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And this is a plea that he's saying, we're in this moment of introspection. We're in this place where we want our hidden love to be revealed. And we don't want anything to be separated from you on the inside. Our minds, our thoughts, our feelings, our desires. We don't want anything to be separated from you. We want it all to be acceptable to you because this is worship. It's all about worship. Prayer and worship. See, the Jewish mindset, they were inseparable. They were inseparable. Our early brothers and sisters are teaching us a valuable lesson right here in that one little verse. Did you ever wonder then? Okay, so they're devoting themselves to prayer. They are committed to it. They are invested in it. Do you ever wonder what their motivation was? Besides their tradition, which was... They're embedded in their tradition. There's still Jewish people here. Okay, they haven't suddenly become something else. Americans. That hasn't happened. <laughs> okay, they're still Jewish, so their tradition is to pray. But there's a there's a motivation going on here. Certainly, it's obedience. Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. They devoted themselves to prayer. It's all very important. But I think there's something else here. Something I want to suggest. Something that's behind their motivation. A lot of these people who had been with Jesus, and 12 of them especially, or 11 of them at this moment, had been with Jesus through some of the most joyous times, most exciting times, and also some of the darkest times. And there's this incident in Matthew that I think has motivated our hearts here too. Jesus is praying in the garden, and he brought his disciples with him to, to pray with him. What happened to the disciples? They fell asleep. Jesus comes in verse 40 and says, Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. Yeah. And he said to Peter, Could you not wait or watch for one hour? Because that Greek word for watch there means to be actively awake. To be invested in that moment. I'm thinking that this could have been a huge motivating factor on, on this group of people. They didn't want to make that same mistake again. They didn't want to miss something. So they were going to go back to what they knew how to do best, which was to be devoted to prayer. They didn't, see, they've, they've gone through a whole bunch of changes and more changes coming. The promise of the Father is coming. They're, just, they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and their life is going to be radically changed, even from the changes that they've already walked through. But they devoted themselves to prayer. They invested themselves in prayer. Because they knew they, they didn't know what exactly was coming. But they knew whatever they had coming to them. They needed to be invested in prayer prior to it. And I think that was part of one of the, their motivations here. They just didn't want to disappoint Jesus again. They wanted to be to watch. 
So, we've got about ten minutes. What does this devotion look like for us then today? Church of America, Church of High Park, Bridge Builders Community Church. What does that mean to us? What does that word devotion mean to us? And I think it's obviously individual. God is challenging our level of devotion. And so I started to ask questions to myself my own when I was going through this process. And I'm still going through it like I'm simmering here and I'm saying to myself, you know, so is it, a, is it about the amount of hours I spend per day praying? About the amount of times I pray during the day? You know, to the Jewish mindset, they, they prayed at least three times a day and up to seven times a day, depending on what was going on in their lives. So is it, is it about the hours? Is it about the times? And I would say yes and no. Because it's really about the motivation of the heart. God is calling us as individuals and as a group of believers to, to pray more. What that looks like, I'm not exactly sure. What it corporately it starts to look like, I know we're gonna, we're, we're, we need to do this more. So this is what we're going to do now. We're going, we're going to pray. And I want to open up for everyone to pray, not just the guy that stands up here right now. And I want to pray for you if, if you want that. And, and, and I realize that sometimes you would rather pray uh, privately, and that's all fine and good, and that's awesome. Don't worry about that. But I'm, I want to, again, pause, because I want to start for us to start to corporately pray. See if there's undiscovered country in our hearts. That kava ah, that, that, that thing that, that service of the heart that we do together. Because Jesus said, you know, if two or three of you are gathered together in my name, and, you know, I'm there in the middle of you. I'm right there with you. See, this is the wonderful thing about prayer. Prayer is a dialogue. It's a heart connection with God. Because he's got something to say to us, too. So it may get a little bit uncomfortable again as we get quiet and as we pray. And I'm encouraging you, if you have a prayer to pray out loud, please pray. If you have a scripture, and every day pray the scripture. And it's the wonderful prayers. So I'm going to encourage you. We're going to take a few minutes, and then we're going to end with a... With a we still have one more song to end, end with. But do you, we, we, can, we can start to discipline ourselves in this. And if you've got to go, that's great. There's no, be, please... No, don't worry about that. But let's just take a moment, a few moments, and lift up prayers to God corporately together. One mind, one passion towards our God.